A reminder that uh, sometime a little later in this talk, you're going to want to have a paper and a pen available. Uh, it can be a journal or it can just be the back of an envelope. just want to be able to, to play along when we get to the exercise part. The talk today is Who Am I? And taking it all the way back, there's this uh, notion of cogito ergo sum. I think, therefore, I am from Rene Descartes. And, um, of course, he didn't get that completely right. I think, therefore, I am puts a whole lot of importance on the thinking part. And he actually started it by saying, I doubt, therefore, I am. And then, oh, yeah, well, just because I think, therefore, I am. And the interesting thing is that that awareness, I am, therefore, I am. That's the claim of consciousness. And that's kind of where we're all starting with this. Um, <laughs> I heard a joke that Rene Descartes was uh, once offered a glass of brandy after dinner. Would he like a glass of brandy? He said, I think not, and then vanished. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the, this talk is in, in a lot of ways based on Living Untethered, uh, the book and the class that we're starting this week. And it goes into a lot of the identity of who we are. <clears throat> so I will ask you, What's your name? And you will have an answer that's readily available. And the question that comes up is who's answering? When you're asked, what's your name? And you answer with your name, who is doing the answering? Because there are a lot of ways that we can think of ourselves uh, and in relation to the world. Uh, there was an episode of uh, Hidden Brain that I listened to uh, on where the feelings come from. And the scientists basically came up with the story that our brains are inside of our skulls, locked in the dark, and never getting out. <laughs> and everything that's going on in our brains is signals and input that's coming in. So our brain is being stimulated by the light that comes in and touches our eyes, and by the, um, by the, by the nerves that we have when we're touching something, and by our sense of smell, and by our proprioception as our, as our body moves through the world but that the brain itself is isolated and it's just sitting in there alone. Which brings up a whole lot of really interesting concepts that I'm not necessarily going to go into. Because, yes, physiologically we could say this is the brain and this is how it's all wired together, and this is how the nervous system works, and <clears throat> and an understanding of some of the, the, the sensors. Uh, and we think of our brain as the part of our body that does the thinking. Uh, that's where all the cross-connections happen. We think of that as being the central processing unit. And then we have the term mind. So we all have a mind, and the mind is what we're thinking with. And there's usually a notion that our mind is in our brain. But it might not be. Our mind could be something that goes beyond our brain, and in fact goes beyond our physical body. And then there's the question of soul. And the question of, do you have a soul? And that's kind of what Descartes was getting to. I think, therefore, I am. I am because I, I, because of that soul essence. But the fact of the matter is we don't have a soul. We do not have a soul. We are a soul. We are a soul with a mind and a brain and a body, and we are engaging with the world. And the mind, the, the soul, the I am that's in there is something that doesn't change. So we can describe ourselves in whatever manner we want to, and we're going to do that in, in a couple of minutes. <clears throat> but inside of there, it's you. You're in there. So who is that? 
Who is that you who's in there? That's the question. Who am I? Is the you in there the same you who was there when you were a kid? You looked out at the world and you saw in the mirror a seven-year-old. And that seven-year-old body has certainly changed, and the, ex the, the experiences and the, the locale and the, the education and all sorts of things have changed since then. But are you still the, you, the same you that was in there before? Every time you engage with the world, is that the same you? And then when other things are changing, how is that true you inside changing and engaging with it? We go to sleep, and sometimes we have a dream. And we wake up from the dream and we remember what happened to us in our dream, and we use the same terminology to describe what happens in our dreams that we use to describe what happens in life. I was holding my arms out and flying. I was running away from a tiger. And it's the same I. The same I am I was. But those things didn't actually happen. Those things came from someplace else. But it's the same I am that's inside of it. So who is that I am? When somebody asks, who are you? What's the answer? Is it about your gender, your race, your ethnicity? Those are certainly wonderful ways that we can describe who we are. And they're important. A lot of times they're important. Um, <laughs> I've sometimes made mention that uh, if we get completely unattached to our ego and the self, self sense of who we are, uh, nobody would ever be able to take attendance because they'd call Bill Marcioni and I wouldn't be attached to answering yes. <laughs> so there are some helpful things about that, that claim of identity of who we are. Um, it might be your residence where you live now or your hometown where you came from or your alma mater, the school that you attended that makes so much uh, meaning for you. When you're asked about who you are, it could be about your job or your career or your profession. And that's all applicable, and it's very interesting to know what people are doing in their job and their career and their profession, but uh, since you first got your first job, are you doing anything different? Has that changed over time? And has that changed who you are? We, have, we can describe ourselves by the experiences that we've had, or the skills that we've got, the talents and abilities we have, the degrees and the education that we have. And is that a way of defining who you are? It's part of the story, and it can be helpful in understanding that. Understanding who we are. Is it about your wealth? The stuff you've got? The family that you have? Your kids and your aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters, parents and so forth? Is it about your position in society or... Uh, is it about your popularity or your fame? Those are all really important. Those are all very important. So I'm going to do a little exercise with you now, and we don't do this during the Sunday morning talk very often. I will encourage you to go ahead and play along, even if you think that this is not going to be entertaining or you don't want to, and it's simply because if you're not actually participating, it's going to be really boring. Okay? So <clears throat> I'm going to ask you a question. And I want you to answer with the first thing that comes to mind, and then write it down. And then I'm going to ask you another question. Actually, it's going to be the same question. And you need to come up with a different answer. And again, write it down. 
And if you're by yourself, you can say them out loud. Don't unmute. We don't need to hear your answers quite yet. Uh, you will have an opportunity to share these later, but you don't have to. Uh, Breen and Jane are sitting next to each other. If you want to do this out loud, then you can or not. But, you know, work it out. You're grown-ups. So here we go. Tell me who you are. Thank you. Thank you. Tell me who you are. Thank you. Tell me who you are. Thank you. Tell me who you are. Thank you. Thank you. Tell me who you are. Thank you. Tell me who you are. Thank you. Tell me who you are. Thank you. Tell me who you are.
Thank you. And we can keep going. And as we keep going, what you find is that the answers, they're, they're different. Once you rule out a couple of things, are the first ones more superficial? Are the first answers easier? Are, is it tough to come up with the later answers? What's that story that you're telling about your story, yourself? How much of that is your story and how much of that is your authentic self and how much of that is aspirational? And it's okay, we're not being judgmental about that. The question when we're asking who am I is who am I without my story? All of those things that have happened to me throughout my life, which have been reinforcements, uh, part of my learning and growth and expansion and development, or part of my trauma, all of those things that have made me the me who I am right now, have made each of us the I am who we are right now. Who are we without those? What happens if the trauma that so affected your life when you were two or four or 10 or 21, what happens if those lose their energy? They're not things that are gonna go away, but they're things that are, that are gonna stop repeating in your life. Who are you without that? Are you okay without that? We see things happen in the world and we start with an observation and then we have a thought about whatever it was that we were observing and sometimes that gives us an emotion and those are all linked together and sometimes they happen instantaneously. And when we have the emotion, we have an evaluation of the experience that we've had and that's judgment. And that's perfectly reasonable, but not necessary. We're asking, who am I? Who am I without the judgment? If something happens and I have this reaction to it and I judge it, that's one way. And the other thing that's possible is the same thing can happen and I can observe it and not judge it. It's just the thing that happened. What happens if I don't have to catch it and I don't have to take the energy of it on myself and I let it be without letting it live in me? Can we do that? Yeah, we can do that. Can we live free of judgment? We can. It's not something that's gonna happen on Tuesday night, but maybe it'll start in the class on Tuesday night. Can we get, can we deal with the trauma, the stuff that's happened to us in our past? Yeah, we can. Because what happens is when something happens to us, we have this entire process of bringing it into our mental and emotional awareness and storing it in our brain or processing it. And when something happens that we can't process immediately, <clears throat> instead of dealing with it at the time, we store it. We store it in our body, we store it in our brain. That stuff gets held onto. And it stays there until we process it. And unfortunately, when something happens that makes us upset or angry or fearful or otherwise uncomfortable, we take that and we store it someplace in our body and it can affect our health and our emotional balance and so forth. But the important thing is in order to process it, we have to bring that experience back up and with it comes the feeling that we had when we stored it. So a lot of times we spend enormous amounts of energy trying not to experience that discomfort that we felt in the, in the first place. And that's an interesting strategy, but we also have the opportunity to not move through whatever that experience was. We don't process it and it continues to be operative. 
we continue to react to stuff that happened when we were two or four or seven or 21 or last week. And we don't have to. We can clear it. We can understand it. We can work through it. We can release the energy of it and then be free of it. If we want to. If we want to. In the Hidden Brain uh, episode, there's a great explanation of the way that we're engaging with the world and other people. Somebody says something, somebody has an opinion of you, and we can take that in and have it give us a, that charge and have to store it someplace in our body and then process it or deal with it later. And the observation that they came up with in the, uh, uh, in, in the episode was this wonderful quote, other people's opinions of you are simply electrical activity in their brain. <laughs> people's opinions of you are simply electrical activity in their brain. And when you think about it that way, it's like, does that have to affect me? Clearly, it doesn't have to affect me. Can it affect me? Absolutely, it can affect me. And we get to choose. We can continue to go on doing what we've been doing and living with our past trauma and our past stories and, our, and the judgments that we're having about that. Or we can set about methodically choosing to be who we want to be, to have the experience that we want to be, to come into alignment, to allow the traumas of the past to not be in control anymore, and open up to something new and fabulous. We can all do that. We can all do that at any moment. Transformation is at hand. It's an infinitely abundant universe, divinely creative. Everything is possible. So open up to this possibility and see what steps are yours to take, see what things are yours to release, and invite, them some, in, invite in something new and spectacular, because you most certainly deserve it. So it is. <laughs>